All the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. All right, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Below the Yellow Line podcast, the rendition of my old show from World Racing Media on YouTube that went all the way to the end of the 2021 motorsports season. This is my second episode in my Welcome back tour, I guess. I'm your host, Joseph Landy Pavlon, here in the FAU Owl Radio Studio, recording this podcast on, finally, a beautiful afternoon in September. Been a week since I could say that. Especially if you are at the Owls football game, our asses were handed to us by the UCF Knights. Pretty much as soon as the second half got into the flow of things, there was only one team playing that football game. But anyways, putting that tent up and tailgating was no short task. During that game, I missed a very important piece of the NASCAR Cup Series pie. Bristol Motor Speedway got its first taste of the next-gen Cup car. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Joe... They already ran the Bristol Dirt Race. Okay? This is Bristol Motor Speedway, the real version. The one that we have known for over 63 years. Asphalt, concrete, whatever the track, however you want to describe it, whether it's the right version to you or the wrong version, Bristol is not really, it has never changed. But one thing that has changed is the mechanism of the NASCAR stock car. And believe it or not, This car is far from perfect. Here's another example of what needs to be done to improve the racing product because clearly something needs to change. And I have a rant for them. I'm going to bring that up later. I didn't watch the race live. And a lot of my friends said to me when they heard that, their response was, you're lucky, Joe. You missed out on a headache. And I... To be honest, I don't know if that's entirely true, but to be honest, looking at the replay, I'm sure watching the race live was definitely a headache, and maybe I'm glad I chose to go to the game. One of the other reasons was the fact that the racing weekend was pretty small. There was no endurance racing, hardly anything going on over the weekend besides NASCAR and MotoGP. There was a Wheel of Modified Tour, and there was a markup, but it all seemed to happen at the last great Coliseum, Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, as I turn this mic around, because apparently the mic does not like to cooperate, and I make a short mess of the studio, I will say that the Truck Series race was entertaining. The best racing in the entire weekend was the Friday Night Barn Burner, which is the Xfinity Series. Someone please tell me that the product of the Xfinity Series is trash, because I'd like to argue that statement. Let me know when and where. But anyways, we're going to start things from a little bit, we'll go in chronological order. Let's begin with the ARCA series. Someone keep an eye on Sammy Smith because he has a 
very bright future in stock car racing. He's a talented young man, 18 years young, and already a back-to-back E-Series champion. And he, I don't think he went one lap without leading in this race. Might be wrong, but Sammy Smith, in a field of 29 cars, never looked back from the green flag in this Arkham Menard Series race with the Arkham Menard Series East as the East Series comes to a close for the 2022 season. Unlike last year, Taylor Gray, fit enough to run all the races, did everything he could possibly do to keep the challenge for the Arca Bernard Series East Championship alive. But there's a twist. Sammy Smith had to prove that challenge against the critics, as well as some of the other facts like Arca East Series races more times with the main series than the West Division, and the fact that there are more combined series races, not, I don't mean combined, I meant to say more Cup Series companion races. You throw in Dover and Bristol. New Smyrna Beach kind of on the Daytona 500 weekend. You can argue there's a lot of attention to that race as well. New Hampshire. There's another one. But there was no stopping Sammy Smith in every race he ran. Hell, even the short few rounds he had in the Xfinity Series looks very promising to me. And I think Ty Gibbs has a really good replacement for that 54 car next year or whatever the hell it's going to be numbered at JGR. Speaking of JGR, I completely forgot to talk about this. Um, a full week ago, seems like a month ago, why the announcement was made, Kyle Busch going to Richard Childress Racing, leaving the team that brought Kyle so much fame, the team that Kyle brought so much fame to, Joe Gibbs Racing after a successful 15-plus year span with the operation that involved the opening of his truck series team, Kyle Busch Motorsports, two Cup Series championships, a title in the Xfinity Series, and over 55 wins in NASCAR's top division. There ain't a better driver that has ever graced the cockpit of a Toyota in the NASCAR Cup Series than Kyle Busch. The same is a lockup to be said for the Xfinity and Truck Series. Kyle Busch, under that Toyota time, has become the winningest driver in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and undoubtedly broke the 100-win mark in NASCAR's second-highest level, the Xfinity Series. All in all, the announcement was made in the NASCAR Hall of Fame facility a place that Kyle Busch will very soon get his name inducted to in X amount of years. It's a guarantee. Kyle Busch made the announcement at the place that he will be inducted to in X amount of years' time. Just wait till his retirement. We will see it happen on display. 60 career NASCAR Cup Series wins. Um, he's won the Southern 500. He's won at Bristol like what, eight times? I mean... You had it with his brother. We're, we're going over double digits here. Kyle's won the first race for a Toyota in the Cup Series. The first title for Toyota in the Cup Series. Um, he's won it all. He's won the first race at new tracks like Kentucky Speedway. He's won 
He's the statistically the greatest driver from the 2010s decade, exceeding the likes of Jimmy Johnson. Tell me those numbers aren't Hall of Fame. You know, the funniest part of all of this was that Richard Childress Racing was the greatest um, antagonist to Kyle Busch's career. Go back a decade. Minus 10 years. 10, 11, 12 years. No driver has caused as much anger to one organization in Richard Childress Racing than Kyle Busch. Over a decade later, he's driving for RCR. Now, let me explain why this deal was made. And here's my honest opinion, and this is where I really wish I continued this podcast, you know, the way I used to, just for certain reasons like this. Kyle Busch has nothing to lose leaving Joe Gibbs Racing. He has nothing to lose leaving Toyota. He's got nothing to lose with his truck series team leaving Toyota and JGR's affiliation. I will explain. Number one, what more besides maybe a Daytona 500 does Kyle Busch need to do to prove himself as a NASCAR driver? What more does Kyle Busch need to do? I think the only question out there is to tie records from uh, Allison and Waltrip and you know, soon Gordon and, or, or Yarbrough and Allison and Gordon and maybe Pearson and Petty as I hear people freaking out outside the studio but anyways going on into my next tangent here Kyle Busch leaving Richard or leaving Joe Gibbs Racing for Richard Childress Racing is a result of many things Kyle's he's got nothing else to prove I mean he might as well just become like semi-retired or something he he could have left nascar when it, i i was actually expecting that to be a possibility and kind of hoping so too maybe see him take his talents out you know serve toyota as a driver in their hypercar category at le mans and world endurance championship wouldn't that be something cool seeing an american driver doing well in le mans again or maybe you know run the emsa championship hell indycar you know prove to jimmy johnson that kyle's still a better driver you never know, and I, I kind of credit Makazi Games for that. But anyways, as I really wish to know how to put this microphone down. I'll just leave it as is. I like standing upright, sitting upright anyways. Moving on, Kyle Busch, can, he's got nothing else to prove in his time as a NASCAR driver under the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota banner. When Kyle Busch joined JGR, he was pretty much given the pink slip from NASCAR's greatest team, Rick Henrik and Hendrick Motorsports. He was the butt of the roster when you look at drivers at that time, the likes of Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson making it almost impossible for any team outside of those two to beat them. And when they beat them, it was like 1776 for the fans. 
Kyle Busch was just as good over there in Hendrick, but he just could not seem to get along with the team, especially after the tragedy, the tragic plane crash in 2004, which took the life of Rick Hendrick's son, Ricky, who was one of Kyle Busch's mentors at the time. This also affected another driver in Brian Vickers. Moving on. Kyle was a young kid. He joined Joe Gibbs Racing at a time where they had to leap puddles and take risks, jump over the pool of lava and see if they could land to make it work and stay in the NASCAR business. Joe Gibbs Racing had just taken a risk a few years before leading up to 2007. And J.J. Yaley and Denny Hamlin. Two drivers that had not even won at the time in the lower series of NASCAR, whether it was then the Bush series or the Craftsman Truck series. Not one of them could find a way into victory lane. It was a risk they had to take. Bobby Labonte left. He packed his bags and left. A lot of people were surprised by that. But that's what happened. Their third team, which was open just before Hamlin's time, was not working out. Rest in peace, Jason Leffler. Kyle Busch had to fill the shoes of a struggling 18 car. And on top of that, joined the newest manufacturer of NASCAR, Toyota, in their second year of the sport. So he joined up with Tony Stewart, who seemed to be the only one lifting weights for Joe Gibbs Racing in 2005 when he won that second championship in his career. While the other two drivers, Bobby Labonte was just way off and uh, Jason Leffler was released. Hamlin, you know his story. He shocked the world. Statistically speaking, the greatest rookie to ever grace the NASCAR Cup Series season. They just had to fill one hole. That's where Kyle Busch came into play. And also the switch to Toyota was not a simple task either. Joe Gibbs Racing had nothing to lose when switching from Chevrolet that same year. M&M's came into the picture. It was a match made in heaven. Kyle Busch has done everything he needed to do. Now he's got another mission in rebuilding a successful team that has been a bit down in the loops in recent years, much like Busch did when he joined Joe Gibbs Racing in 2008. Look at Richard Childress Racing. Six out of the seven championships in the late great Dale Earnhardt's career was with Richard Childress. The team only ran one car until the late 90s when Mike Skinner came around and convinced Richard Childress to do something he's never done as a successful Cup Series team, field two cars. Was it successful? It was okay. Not the end of the world. Until Dale Earnhardt tragically died in the Daytona 500 21 years ago. He had to take a chance on a young Kevin Harvick. This young California kid has to replace the steely-eye driver, high school dropout from Kannapolis, North Carolina, Dale Earnhardt, and fill the shoes of a fallen racer. And three races in, we all know what. We all know the story. Harvick steals the show, takes over the legacy, and continues it in the years to follow. Kevin Harvick wasn't the greatest at Richard Childress Racing by any means. And if you look at it, Richard Childress Racing 
really didn't help themselves when they made a third car, which, by the way, was supposed to be for Harvick. That's another story for later. If you look at Kyle Busch, when Richard Childress said, when I looked into the eyes of Kyle, I could see the same message that was sent to me from Dale Earnhardt Sr. So, for you toothless idiots that are in your 60s commenting on Facebook that Kyle Busch will never amount to Dale Earnhardt, you can never put those two in the same sentence, or the Kyle Busch never heard of her meme, you want to throw that shit around. You lost. Give it up. Kyle Busch, whether you like him or not, needs to be acknowledged for the talents that he has as a race car driver and as a champion for the sport. He may be an asshole on the track. I sometimes hated him before I learned to love him. Now I can't stop enjoying Kyle Busch on the racetrack. But just like Dale Earnhardt, seems like everybody wants to forget this analogy when they prove to say that, you know, at least Dale Earnhardt was good to the fans. Everyone celebrated Dale Earnhardt's misfortunes, just like they did with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, you name it, um, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Tony Stewart, and booed him when he won too much, or took out your favorite driver, or XYZ. Dale Earnhardt was in the same category as that, as was Rusty Wallace, Darrell Waltrip, hell, even Jeff Bodine was, you could throw his name into the picture. Kyle Busch is another driver when the series can't get any closer in competition, it's Kyle Busch who sticks out as the one driver who can constantly be the one on top. And if he's not on top, he can be compared with other drivers who had one-hit wonder moments in their careers as well. I'll give you examples. Ryan Newman in his prime is equivalent to Kyle Busch, not on his prime. And... Ryan Newman was a dangerous driver during his prime, just to put that blight very lightly. Um, by the way, another thing Kyle was looking for is my son is over seven years old. He'll be eight next year and nine, 10, 11, 12, and so on as, as the years go on. Before we know it, he'll be ready to climb the ladder in racing just like me when I was a kid. That's Kyle's mind right now. He's thinking about Brexton Bush, his son, and Richard Childress Racing are committed to keeping a stable program long enough to the point where Brexton Bush is old enough to do exactly what his father did at one point in Kyle's young career, starting in the truck series, start somewhere, be under 18. Kyle cares about his family a lot. Ask his brother, Kurt. He's put Kurt in the car when other teams wouldn't want anything to do with him. Even in the worst of PR nightmares, Kyle stuck behind his brother's back. That's why Kurt's even in a Cup Series ride today. Seriously, think about it. Just do your research. This matters to Kyle. Apparently, there must be a conflict of interest at Joe Gibbs Racing. If you look at the fact that Ty Gibbs, this young driver coming out of the woods, I don't give a rat's ass what his last name is. His last name could be Schwartz or Smith or Ty uh, Rogers, some kind of, he could have been out of like the unknowns. Doesn't matter what your last name is. He's Ty Gibbs and he's kicking ass in the Xfinity series and has exceeded everyone's expectations doing things that has been unprecedented in a stock car. 
during his short time. Mind you, he's still almost 20 years old. He hasn't even made it to 20 yet. And he's already a fixture as of what could be for some of the greatest of all-time drivers. He is dangerously fast. You cannot keep him in the Xfinity Series for one more year. And I think we know what the inevitable is going to be in a few days, weeks, or months' time in a fancy um, in a fancy, you know, room with suits and ties and tables and a lot of applause and a big screen. You know what I'm talking about. The announcement of Ty Gibbs going into the JGR, replacing Kyle Busch in the flagship 18 car, the car number that his late uncle and his grandfather put together 31 years ago. And you know what? I'm all for it. Now that we kind of got the Kyle Busch thing out of the way, I want to talk about one or two more things because I don't want to go on and on. We have some races to talk about, but I just need to get this off my chest. Kyle Busch could have gone anywhere he wanted to. He chose Richard Childress Racing for a reason. Richard Childress Racing knows Dale Earnhardt more than the cranky people who claim that Kyle Busch could never be amounted to Dale Earnhardt say they think they are. You're not Richard Childress. Richard Childress knew Dale Earnhardt through all through six out of his seven championships, a Daytona 500 to the very end. He knows Dale Earnhardt better than you, me, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Kyle Busch must know that. And to be honest, I kind of wanted him in the three. It would have been a nice uh, middle finger to the people who doubted him this entire time. But anyways, the eight car with Kyle Busch, now that number in Richard Childress can get its own legacy. And I think there might be a Daytona 500 on the way. <laughs> Just keep an eye out for that. I'm a wishful thinker. I've seen Kyle from when his career started. And he has developed in a driver like we've never seen before. Um, his time is 134. But anyways, Richard Childress kind of realized when Tyler Reddick came into the woods and kicked ass every time, every week in the Xfinity Series in 2019, I think something turned around in the mind of RC and said, hey, let's put away our, our system of paid drivers and our grandkids. Let's get some good guys in Tyler Reddick, Daniel Hemrick, Austin Hill, Sheldon Creed, you name it. They are going to carry a team into a successful future. Austin Time might be really good at carrying the team in the office of the organization. No offense to them. But anyways, I don't have much time. I want to make this 10 minutes short. So let's talk about the races here. Um, and I'm kind of glad that this overshadows the, the embarrassment of NASCAR's officiating. Once again, the modern NASCAR technique is not working and you see it with the next gen car you see it with bristol and you see it with all the tire failures the blown engines the useless crashes that had to happen the stage cautions that result in restarts that generate crashes nascar needs to wake up here the playoff system you name it they have made mistakes or pretty much have exposed to the world what the intentions of these of this kind of product is on the racetrack. One thing that we have to acknowledge, though, as fans, 
RFK Racing is here to stay. They proved themselves. Chris Buescher dominated. Brad Kozlowski could have very well won as well if it wasn't for issues that kept them from staying on the lead lap. Chris Buescher led 169 of the 500 laps while his teammate Brad Kozlowski and car owner led 109 laps. This was a mark on the calendar for RFK Racing. I thought this could have happened sooner or could have happened later. You never know. I thought the possibility of them breaking through as their new rebranded name and likeness would have happened at one of the restrictor plate races, or as we call them now, Super Speedways. Chris Buescher has also put a silence to the doubters who said that his Pocono win six years ago driving for Bob Jenkins was a fluke because of rain. Likewise to Bubba Wallace last week. But it's for Chris Buescher, he had to wait six years to finally win it the right way. A win is a win. It's a second career victory. Congratulations to them. And congratulations to Jack Roush. Five plus years of waiting between wins and multiple close calls on a few occasions. They have struck gold. Brad Kozlowski should not put any pressure on himself. That organization will be shining in a few years to come. And, you know, whenever Jack Roush hangs the cowboy hat and calls his car owner career quits, it will be in good hands of Brad Keselowski. That can also be applied to Brad's driving career. That's for another podcast. All in all, the round of 16 is over, and it was swept by literally zero playoff drivers. So much for the system. Out of the playoffs include Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch, most notably. Tyler Reddick. Looks like he's going to have to stick and drive the leftovers for Richard Childress Racing going on from uh, into next year if this report of an extra char remains the same. Oh, good job, Cody Ware, getting a top 20 finish. Sometimes slow and steady gets you good uh, prize checks in the end. Also, out of the round of 16, let me just pull this up. Because I'm like really badly organized. His standings are right here. Austin Dillon and Kevin Harvick. Yeah, I got to talk about Harvick for a minute. It's just bad luck. Luck happens. You know, this is what racing comes down to. He's out of the round of 16. Austin Dillon was pretty much one of those drivers where you expected him to just be irrelevant in the playoffs. So we're going to the next round. It's at everybody's favorite track, Texas Motor Speedway. I say that sarcastically. A 500-mile race. Talladega, another 500-mile race. You know about Talladega. I think we all do. And then it closes with the final road course of the 2022 championship, the Charlotte Roval. I still have no idea what to expect out of that track, other than the fact that most of the next-gen testing for road courses has happened there. So maybe they'll be a little more experienced. Who knows? Las Vegas and Homestead, which I'll be there in person to see it. Martinsville closing out the round of eight. And Phoenix, for the third year in a row, will decide our champion for 2022. Now, mind you, um, the, the bottom four drivers going into this round are drivers who by no means are not going to do anything special in this round or in the playoffs entirely. And it doesn't mean that the drivers above are going to be locked into the round of eight and just got to cruise through and stay out of the big one at Talladega. 
Austin Sinek, Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe. I thought Alex Bowman was going to be done for in the first round, but we'll see what happens. Texas Motor Speedway next week. Um, we got the European Le Mans Series coming up as well. Um, as for MotoGP is concerned, congratulations to Connie. Third year in a row, World Championship winners for the constructors. They clinched it earlier. Um, and yeah, Bastianini outlasted the reigning world champion of Fabio Quartararo in the Aragon Grand Prix. Now, they go to Japan real soon. That's their next race. Uh, nice to see them back in Asia after a three-season absence due to uh, the beer bug. But MotoGP is coming down to the, to the wire. The European Le Mans Series has a second-to-last race of the season. This weekend, at the famous circuit, the Spa Franco shop, the four hours of Spa, and to be honest, I think the European Le Mans series has been very entertaining to watch this year for a multitude of reasons. I think really, uh, if you want a good look at the World Endurance Championship, it's sometimes the best teams, they're really out there to uh, prove themselves. LMP3 has been very fun to watch. Probably the best series that has LMP3 teams to begin with based on their licensing requirements and their strict rules. They don't take any uh, bullshit, unlike IMSA. No offense to them, but... Anyways, going on, those Prema boys look really good. We'll see if that trio can continue their good work into the second to last round. The final round will be in October 16th at Algarve in uh, Portimao, Portugal to close out the, the uh, 2022 European Le Mans Series season. Anything else this year? Um, I talked about Argo. The Xfinity Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and Truck Series at Bristol. Let me first uh, get to the fact that congratulations to Ty Majeski. He finally gets himself a big NASCAR win. He is one of the four drivers that will be competing for a championship because the Truck Series is their penultimate round of the playoffs. They have the next race, Talladega and Homestead. Yeah, good luck. Good luck to you trying to stay out of trouble in both those races. I think the Truck Series needs to change. At least get rid of stage racing there because it's it's not even fun to watch anymore. Also, when are we going to get off the Haley Diggin bandwagon here? She's a good girl and all, but as a driver, stop trying to give her TV time every time she comes up on the screen, Fox. You know, let drivers be drivers. You don't have to like no, point out everything that they do just because they come up on the same frame as other drivers in the top ten. I like Haley Deegan. I think she's a great ambassador for women in motorsports. But please, Fox Sports 1 coverage, send your commentators to the track and stop making her the center of attention. I mean, just take a look at what's going on in the ARCA series right now. It's embarrassing. The, the women that should be in race cars in these levels of motorsport are not in those race cars right now. I'm sorry, but to the pretty face drivers out there, things it's this is not helping the perception. This is not helping the sport. Tony Brandinger, Emma Balkin, Natalie Decker. I'm sorry. My tolerance for those drivers is gone. It's slipped, it's slithered away. Something needs to change. Where's Gracie Trotter? Where's Brittany Zamora? Where did Johanna Long go in the Danica Patrick hype land of the early 2010s? They had to leave the sport. You need money to race. That's the sad reality. No money, 
No race car. No driving career. Nada. But anyways, um, listen, someone put Julia Landauer in a car or a truck or something. Like, because clearly, you know, these drivers that are, you know, being the face of the future are not being the faces of the future. If there's any driver from a background outside of your traditional NASCAR demographic that's kicking ass right now, he's a good friend of mine, Raja Karuth. This kid from Washington, D.C. is tearing the track, and I think there's a lot to look forward to in the future of his career. It's a damn shame he had that tire problem at Bristol because he could have very well outlasted Sammy Smith in that ARCA race and gone to victory lane. And that truck series race, things went a little bit different. It would have been, he could have very well had a chance to win. I hope he keeps getting those rides because, you know, I played on the PlayStation with Raja as a high school kid five years ago. I was having a good old time on Skype group calls and Discord group calls with the said name of Raja Karuth. Raja Kirby Karuth. I am damn proud of you. Keep it up. Our other drivers that could definitely use more attention and exposure. Armani Williams, who's in the autism spectrum, and he's African-American. What about Brad Perez, right from South Florida? Man, I was at Indianapolis, and seeing him fail to qualify to be the first driver to DNQ from the huge entry list of cards, that broke my heart. He's, he's driven some of the worst equipment and outperformed them. I'm going to talk about Xfinity one for a little bit before I got to go because time seems to be running out. I have a lot, of, a lot to say in such a little bit of time. As for the Xfinity Series, Noah Gragson, congratulations on your win. Drive a little cleaner. And all the damn tomfoolery you do in your post-race celebration is not going to help you in the long run. Put away the beer cans. Stop climbing the fence. Stop you know, doing excessive burnouts. I get it. Winning is great and all. But you can't keep puking yourself in the race car. Maybe it's anxiety. Come on, I got a lot of anxiety myself. If you know me, you know damn well how much anxiety I have. But Noah Gregson, you don't have to be the Barstool Sports dude, bro. You're not here in a frat house at FAU. You got a great racing driver that's going to get a Cup Series ride. And half a year from now, get yourself ready for that. And an Xfinity Series championship is on the line. Keep it going. Oh, and by the way, keep your car clean. Ty Gibbs, his day was done because of you. I'm sorry, but it's just racing. Maybe it was a slight mistake. Sometimes it's just not your race. And Ty Gibbs, wow, the races he could have won if things just didn't go awfully wrong in mid-race like in the last few months. It's just incredible to show you how good of a talented kid he is. This championship is far from done. We have the playoffs that begin. Sheldon Creed, don't give up on him. He is a great driver. He is completely on another zip code every time he runs in those stadium super trucks, off-road racing, jumping over, you know, all kinds of crap on street circuits in Australia and North America, the stadium super trucks. He pretty much ran out of things to accomplish there. The showstopper went over to stock cars, won himself an ARCA and a NASCAR Truck Series Championship. Yeah, it's a little slow in the Xfinity Series. There's a lot more races than you have in the trucks. 
is actually three shy from what we have in the Cup Series. 36 is in the Cup and 33 in the Xfinity. I think it's, what, 23 or no, actually 23 in the trucks. Point blank period. Just take your time. I hope RC doesn't quit on them. And if you got to go back to trucks, Kyle Busch Motorsports will be waiting for you in a Chevrolet. Before I go, I want to once again uh, say that this morning I was watching the funeral of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. A very long procession has finally come to its end. Um, Watching His Majesty the King, as well as uh, some of the other members of the royal family, was very moving. Um, so I just got from, you know, here from watching the, all that unfold, I woke up at four 30 in the morning to see it as it happened. Cause I just didn't want to catch up to all like the crap that comes out of this from like, you know, sleeping in. I, there was just a lot to look at, but, but yeah, everything's closed. You can't really fly to, to London right now. Yeah. Sorry. Anything else? Um, I don't know. I think that's all I got to say. Going to uh, conclude this podcast for episode 142 of the Bull of the Yellow Line podcast. Maybe sooner or later I'll have a more organized structure. But for now, I'm just going to talk out of my ass when I get into the studio. Because I feel like speaking on the spot's more fun and it's less demanding. At least on me. Maybe I'll bring a few guests in. For my partners at World Racing Media and FAU Owl Radio... I'm Joseph Laney Pavlon signing off. Have a good rest of the week. Owl Radio is FAU's student-run radio station streaming worldwide on FAUOwlRadio.com. We have shows, DJ on-campus events, give away free concert tickets, and more. Make sure to check us out on social media at FAU Owl Radio.